What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Friday, so time to go game by game, talking about the wide receivers I'd be starting and sitting this week. No Germany, no London games this week. So we'll start off with the one o'clock games, Lions at Giants, 45 point total, Giants three point home favorites. For the Lions, Motor St. Brown, or bust, is probably how you're approaching this team. He now has at least nine targets in all six healthy games this season. And that first game without Hawkinson last week, he had a 42% target share. Like, he's going to be a target hog in this offense for the rest of the season. He commanded 11 targets on 26 pass attempts, confirming once again, must start. I don't care what the matchup is. I don't care anything about this team, what they're projected to do that week. Just play him under St. Brown. And then behind him, no other player had more than three targets. And so you're really not just looking at like the secondary wide receivers on this team. It's not like a horrible spot or anything, but like you don't need to play Khalif Raymond and Tom Kennedy unless you're in, you know, a 16 team league. And even then they can probably stay on the bench for the Giants. Slayton's coming off a really good game, but understand that you know, most of his production came on that one busted play. The guy missed a tackle, runs for like a 54, 55-yard touchdown. 67% uh, of his fantasy points were on that one play. He's going to be a big play threat. He's going to be a touchdown scorer in this offense. And it is a really, really good spot. Obviously, we've been attacking the Lions defense the entire season. And so you'll want players playing against them. So if you really need to, I would say it's Slayton and then Wandale. But I would say both of them are like lower end flex plays. We're going to talk a lot this week about how it's a tough week for wide receivers. There aren't like, you know, 20 teams on by or anything, but there's a lot of, you know, decent passing attacks on by. And there are some good wide receivers who are injured. And so if you look outside the top, maybe like 13 to 14 wide receivers, it starts to get thin very quickly. So I understand if you're watching this video and you're like, you know, in a normal week, I'm not considering Darius Slate. I'm not considering Wanda Robinson. But this week, you might actually have to consider that. And I don't think they're terrible plays. Uh, they're both going to grade out at the end of the week outside the top 30 wide receivers. But in this good of a matchup, anything can happen if the Giants are forced to throw the ball. So if, you know, Detroit puts together some really nice drives, can push the game, can take uh, the Giants out of their like run-based attack, then I do think that like Slayton and Wandel can have good games, but you're going to need that to happen. I mean, they threw the ball like, you know, under 20 times a few times this season. Like they're just, they're not a passing attack. We're usually looking to attack. So they'll be outside my top 30. They're not amazing plays, but if you have to this week, deeper formats, they're not bad plays. Again, Slayton a little bit over Wandel just for the upside of his targets. Next up, we've got Jets at Patriots. Low, uh, I believe now the lowest total of the week, 38 and a half. And then Patriots, three and a half now point home favorites. It's moved a little bit in their direction over the week. For the Jets, I would probably bench all of them. It's the same thing. Tough week. Garrett Wilson, not the end of the world if you have to play him. He's 39th for me right now, uh, even though he's an elite prospect. like It's a tough spot at New England. Um, he had six for 150 in the game against them you know, two weeks ago. And so we know he's capable of producing. And like people can still have good games against the Patriots. I would just say that like, it's you know a much more difficult environment, you know, going from playing at home in that matchup to at New England. It's just a more difficult place to play. And it's not a knock on Garrett Wilson, it's a knock on Zach Wilson. Like Zach Wilson has historically played 
horrible against the Patriots. He's probably going to throw two, three, maybe four interceptions in this game. He's not going to look good, especially if the Patriots get up and they force them to throw the ball and not run every play. And so, you know, Garrett Wilson, again, he has the talent to go for, you know, like he did last time, six for 115, can add a touchdown there, have a really good game. Uh, on average, I would say this is a really bad spot for the passing attack of the Jets, so it would only be him. And if you don't have to, I probably wouldn't. Then for the Patriots, the only one I consider is Myers. Also really bad spot for the Patriots. The Jets have a very, very good just overall defense in general, but especially in the passing attack. It's very difficult to throw on them. Uh, he had 13 targets in their game against each other a few weeks ago. Uh, and while that would be aggressive, if I was going to project him for 13 targets, he's still the clear number one in this offense. I have a hard time believing the other you know, outside wide receivers are are going to be getting open, are going to find success against the Jets. And so as long as this game is relatively close, I don't think either side is going to be like airing it out a tons. We don't want to attack them, but Myers is going to grade out as a wide receiver too this week because we know the volume would at least be there, won't be overly efficient, but you know, honestly, he's got the best chance of scoring of any wide receiver on this team, which hasn't been the case in recent years, but it is this season. Uh, he's not a bad play, especially in PPR leagues. If you're in a PPR league, you could play him at wide receiver two in the flex spot, you know, not feel too bad about that. As we start working towards standard, it's not as amazing because he's more of a player that's going to get, you know, six for 60, seven for 70, but you know, he's not a bad play. He's a pretty solid play this week. Next up, we've got commanders at Texans, 40 and a half point total commanders, three point road favorites. For the Commanders, uh, there is a drastic difference between uh, having Heineke at quarterback and having Wentz at quarterback, especially for Terry McLaurin. In his six games with Carson Wentz, he has a 16% target share, averaging 61 receiving yards per game. In the four games with Heineke, he's got a 32% target share, 93 receiving yards per game. Like It is a huge difference going from Wentz to Heineke. They're starting Heineke this week. Given the state of wide receiver, you're definitely starting Terry McLaurin. The opposite is true for Curtis Samuel. It's not the end of the world. He drops from 22% to 18%. Uh, the yardage doesn't really take too much of a hit. He's going to be around 40, 50 receiving yards with both. Uh, I would say he's fine to play in the flex. The issue is what we talk about with Curtis is just the ceiling. He's only got three top 25 wide receiver finishes this season. Two of them came in the first two weeks of the season. Hasn't done a whole lot since then. So my preference would be just play McLaurin, keep Curtis Samuel on the bench. If you have to play Curtis Samuel, not the end of the world. He's going to mix in for a few carries. He does have a chance of scoring. Probably going to have around three to four receptions for around 40 to 50 yards. That's not terrible. And for the Texans, uh, Nico Collins returns last week, 78% of the offensive snaps, commands 10 targets. We know he'll be used downfield. We know he'll be used at the goal line. There's a very real chance that he has a higher target share than Brandon Cooks to close the season. I'm not saying it's certainly going to happen. I'm not projecting it just yet. I have Cooks still projected rest of season ahead of Nico Collins. But given everything they've communicated as a team, and then given like, what we think about the future of this offense, obviously it involves Nico Collins and doesn't really involve Brandon Cooks. It's possible that Nico has some really good games to close the season. And there's value here. If he can command, you know, seven, eight targets a week, spike for 10 like last week, I don't really care if he's like not super efficient. 
that many targets is valuable in fantasy. This is also a fantastic spot against a pass funnel commander's defense. We saw the Eagles not really care about that on Monday night, kind of contributed to them losing the game. Most teams acknowledge that and they're like, yeah, why would we really run it on this team? They're so bad at defending wide receivers in particular. And so I would imagine we do see Nico Brandon Cooks utilized this week. I don't think they're terrible plays. I think you can use them both in the flex spot. I would say especially in like 12, 14 team leagues. If you're an eight or a 10 team league, I would imagine even with buys and injuries, you probably have someone better to use in the flex than Cooks or Nico. But as we start transitioning into 10 or into 12, excuse me, 12 and 14 and 16 team leagues, under those formats, I really do think either one of them, you could play in the flex and feel fine about that. Um, I would say that like they're still both going to rank outside the top 30, so you don't need to, but don't feel bad if you have to. Bears at Falcons. Up next, 48.5 point total Falcons, three-point home favorites. The Bears. Uh, Mooney is the only wide receiver you can really play right now, and it's only as a flex wide receiver. One caution I really want to present is that like this offense has been great in the last few weeks. We have Fields breaking out. He's been incredible, but Mooney has gone from like super inefficient to like hyper efficient the last three weeks. He's caught 16 of 17 targets. That's just like entirely unsustainable. He's not going to catch nearly 100% of his targets every week. And even with that efficiency, if you look at his production, he's been wide receiver 34, 12, and 46 and half PPR scoring. So again, even catching every single target that's being thrown his way besides one. You know, he's been fine. He hasn't been like that incredible. So um, matchup, really good. Obviously, Falcons can't stop anyone. Uh, So like, I think this really efficient run can continue, but you're still going to need a deep pass for Mooney. Again, being efficient, he's got 10, 14, and 8 half PPR points. That's fine, and that's okay to use in the flex. And you're not going to be disappointed if you got, you know, 10, 12 half PPR points. But understand, he probably does need to hit deep in the spot to be worth it. Uh, and then don't go to the secondary wide receivers. Until we see Claypool getting consistent targets, you can't play him. Then for the Falcons, uh, you know, they continue to run the ball nearly every play. This is not a spot where we think that's going to stop. I mean, the Bears are one of the premier run funnels in the NFL. So if anything, like we could see elevated run rates from the Falcons this week. And so... Even with a 28% target share, a 61% catch rate, Drake London is awesome. Like He is a fantastic wide receiver. He's going to be an alpha in this league. We're going to be loving him in fantasy in future years. But even with the numbers that are said, 28% target share, 61% catch rate, most players are a slam dunk play. With those numbers, he grades out 35th for wide receivers, even boosting the matchup. They're going to run it a ton until we transition into Ritter. You're probably just not playing Falcons wide receivers. Unfortunate, but that's how it is. Next up, we've got the snow game. Browns at Bills, 41.5 point total. Bills, 8 point home favorites. One note I want to make on the situation. People are making it seem like it's going to snow like 3-4 feet on Sunday and that they're like envisioning, remember that game with, uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy, Calvin Johnson, like that that snow game, right? I think people are envisioning that happening. Um, that's not really going to be the case. Uh, it's going to snow, snow a lot like leading up 
into the game. But as of recording this, we're expecting less than an inch during the game. So like the actual game being played, it's not too much of an issue. The problem is that you've got so much snow before the game. Number one, you have to clear it from the stadium, right? They don't play in a dome, obviously. That's going to be a problem. Uh, and number two, people have to get there, right? So we could still see this game moved, which is why you don't want to give like too much of a take on the weather because the actual weather during the game, if they can play in Buffalo, shouldn't be that bad. It'll be windy. That's the biggest problem. But it shouldn't be terrible. It's more, are they even going to play the game in Buffalo or are they going to move it somewhere else? So a lot of unknowns right now. I believe they have to decide on Friday. So when you're watching this, they may have already made a decision on if the game's going to be there or not. But obviously, that's going to have an impact. I'm going to do the breakdown, assuming the game is played in Buffalo, but basically just give everyone like a slight bump up. Obviously, if they move the game, we're hoping they don't move it to a spot where it's like, also terrible weather. I would imagine they wouldn't do that. So for the Browns, road game. So we know that Amari Cooper gets a downgrade in road games. We know Donald Peoples-Jones gets an upgrade, uh, not a huge amount. And a lot of it still probably is randomness, but historically it's been pretty easy to say Cooper's on the road, not as good a play. Cooper's at home, fantastic play. Um, and when you factor in the weather in the spot, potentially again, if the game's played in Buffalo, I'm thinking Cooper is like a low-end flex play. Um, again, Peoples-Jones seeing that bump, but his best game of the season came last week. Still just a wide receiver 26. And so if we look at both these two on the road against a really strong Buffalo defense with potential win concerns, you can play them. They're fine in the flex. Uh, Cooper over Donald Peoples-Jones still even on the road, uh, but it's not like I'm very excited to play either one of them. Then for the Bills... Always play digs. I don't care if there's like a hurricane and a nor'easter, like combining into one with a tornado, like just play Stefan Diggs. And then Gabe Davis, you know, same thing every week. He's your classic, just boom bust, wide receiver two, kind of flex play. He could get two fantasy points. He could get 30 fantasy points. Like it really just depends. Does he hit on the deep ball? In this spot, again, if they play in Buffalo, the wind is going to impact things. Like you just have a lower chance of hitting deep if it's windy. And so he's not an amazing play. Uh, right now, he's exactly my wide receiver 30. And so if you've got three wide receivers, you know, inside the top 25, you're okay benching him. You know, I don't think you definitely need to play him this week. Next up, we've got Panthers at Ravens. This game has a 41 point total Ravens, massive 13 point home favorites, by far the largest favorites of the week. Panthers side, uh, not in love with any of them. Baker's at quarterback right now. Uh, DJ Moore kind of got revived a little bit with Walker, but Baker's been terrible. He showed no chemistry with any of their pass catchers this season. You know, you can play DJ Moore. You can do it. In the flex of a 12 or 14 team league, uh, you could play Marshall in the second flex spot of a 14 or 16 team league. Um, if you have options, though, I would prefer just not to play them. The spot's not fantastic. They're going to get destroyed. They're not going to score many points. They're not going to be efficient. I just, I don't want to play any of them. Then for the Ravens, I don't think you play any of them either. 
I mean, Duvernay is the most appealing, but especially it looks like Mark Andrews will be back this week. If he plays, no one's projecting for more than like a 13, 14% target share on a team that's not going to throw the ball that much and won't need to be aggressive being such heavy favorites. And will also spread the ball around to plenty of other wide receivers, even without Bateman. They have wide receivers they'll spread the ball around to. None of them are amazing, but that's the point. None of them are amazing. And so they just kind of give equal amounts to a lot of different people. So Duvernay in the flex if you're super desperate, uh, Demarcus Robinson or Deshaun Jackson in the second flex if you're incredibly desperate, but most of you can just fade this group of wide receivers. Next up, we've got Rams at Saints, uh, second lowest total of the week, 39, Saints three-point home favorites. For the Rams, I have a different take than most. I think everyone is expecting, obviously with, okay. Everyone's expecting a bump to everyone, which is true. Like, if Cup leaves, he's got like a 35% target share. Everyone is getting a bump. There's no one that's going to be worse now that Cup is on IR. But I think a lot of people are expecting Allen Robinson to soak up a lot of those targets and like be that number one. And that could definitely happen. But I'm excited to see what they do with Ben Skoranek. Like, we know Van Jefferson's role won't change. Again, Everyone, even if their role doesn't change, that role will just be utilized a little bit more because you're not getting 15 targets to Cooper Cup, right? You're taking that and kind of just distributing it to everyone else. But Van's role is not going to change. And I honestly don't think that Allen Robinson is like capable of being featured. Like, I don't think it's going to go very well if they try and put him it's like into the cup role. No one's going to have the cup role because it's just going to disappear. But if they try and like feature him, move him around a ton, utilize him a ton, I can't imagine it goes very well. And they were already kind of moving Skoranek kind of around the formation a lot earlier in the season when Van was out. And so I think they kind of go back to doing that. And it's at least possible that we basically just see Van, Robinson, and Higby all see a bump in their target share, but in the exact same role. And that Ben is the one that we expect to see like, the role change. And if he gets a bump in targets with a role change, that means he has the most to gain among all the wide receivers. So long story short, absolutely I could be wrong with this one, uh, but I'm projecting him to see the biggest increase. And as of right now, I have Ben 38th, Robinson 41st, and Van 48th. So at the end of the day, it probably doesn't actually even matter. You might just not be playing any of them, but I don't want people to think that Allen Robinson is some like incredible play now, going to be seeing Cooper Cup-like targets, I just don't think he's capable. I think targets are earned. I don't think he's capable of earning that many. And so not going to rank any of them that high, but I'm ranking Ben the highest among the group. Uh, but I guess the overarching take is probably that like Stafford in this offense without Cooper Cup is not going to look good. I mean, it's going to be ugly watching this offense. They're not going to be efficient. They're not going to score very much. There's not going to be that much production overall. So you might just bench all of them. But honestly, if I'm playing any of them, it's Ben and it's Allen Robinson, and I'm giving the slight lean to Ben this week. I'm probably just going to take his over on DraftKings, on Underdog. Um, they haven't posted them yet because there's still some unknowns with the offense, but I'm imagining books are going to have them around like 30. That's what I'm guessing right now is 30. I'm projected five receptions for 48 yards. So I guess if they come in around that, I'm not going to take the over, but I think a lot of people are going to underestimate his role, and I want to take the over on him this week. Then for the Saints, uh, always start Olave. And then if you have to, you can play Landry, but I'd reserve that for like 14, 16 team leagues. Uh, he's a pretty thin play in most formats. We're not expecting a ton of targets to go to him. 
Final one o'clock game. It's going to be Eagles at Colts, 44-point total, Eagles 7-point road favorites. For the Eagles, this not a, it's not a great spot. I mean, the Colts are at home. The Colts are a pretty strong pass defense, uh, but it doesn't matter all that much. Brown and Smith have target shares of 28% and 24% on the season. I know that Brown had a dud last week in a dream matchup. You know, it was frustrating to watch them operate that offense, but he's got five top 15 wide receiver finishes this season, only two true dud games. He's an incredible wide receiver. You can't bench him. And then for Smith, I'd be more concerned if this were a normal week. But like I said, a lot of injuries and bye weeks with wide receiver position this week. And so even giving him like a fairly conservative projection, I didn't boost anything and actually gave him, you know, like a reduction in efficiency. He's still projecting in like the low 20s for wide receivers. Uh, that's fine to play as like a low end two or more ideally in the flex. I don't have as much confidence in him this week as I did last week. But again, given the state of the wide receiver position, I think it's a perfectly fine play. Then for the Colts, um, tough spot, obviously. Like the Eagles don't really give up that much production on average. Like I know Terry McLaurin had a really good game last week, but most of the time the Eagles aren't giving up that much production to wide receivers. And so definitely at the very least, not a spot we want to be attacking. You have to imagine they're going to lean on Jonathan Taylor. They're going to just run the ball a ton, try to not throw it as much as possible. When they do throw it, they're going to be throwing it to Pittman. They're going to be throwing it to Pierce and Campbell as like more secondary options. I don't think we want to attack secondary options against the Eagles, especially you know, they're probably pretty upset about how last week went. And so I don't think you're playing Pierce or Campbell. If you have to, I suppose it's fine, but I don't think you need to do that. Uh, and then Pittman, fine. We just saw McLaurin go off against his defense. So it's possible, uh, but obviously he's not a, as good of a play as he usually is. I think you can play him at wide receiver too in the flex, but I'd probably prefer the flex again. Not a good spot against the Eagles. Four o'clock games kick off with Raiders at Broncos, 41 and a half point total. Broncos, two and a half point home favorites. For the Raiders, start Adams, bench everyone else. This is as bad a spot as you can imagine. Like, if you thought going up against the Eagles was tough, well, playing at Denver for wide receivers is not a spot you want to attack, especially for secondary wide receivers. Again, start Adams, do not play anyone else. Then for the Broncos, it's a good spot. Um, with Judy injured, it's basically just Sutton, though. They're going to have a rotation behind him. Uh, they really like how some of these secondary wide receivers have played, but none of them are going to project for more than like a handful of targets unless you're like unbelievably desperate in a 16-team league. You're starting Cortland Sutton, and you're benching everyone else. Next up, we've got Cowboys at Vikings, 47.5-point total. Cowboys, 1.5-point road favorites. For the Cowboys, always start Lamb. And then Gallup is fine as like a, a low-end flex play this week. He only has one top 50 wide receiver finish on the season, though. So even in a good spot, like I understand that, you know, he hasn't shown a very high ceiling. I will say that like he's getting healthier every week. He's coming off the torn ACL. We know it usually does take people a full season to kind of get ramped up. And then the next year they play better. He also does have a solid role in the red zone. So if they get close, he's got a good chance of scoring. So I get it if you have to play him. Uh, but again, one top 50 wide receiver finish hasn't been fantastic this season. If you don't have to, you don't need to. Then for the Vikings, always start Justin Jefferson. And then Thielen is my wide receiver 31 right now. 
Dallas has a really strong defense, and I'm not super excited to play him. But again, tough week for wide receiver. And so if you need him, he's probably going to be around 50 receiving yards, got about a 30% chance of scoring. So if he doesn't score and he gets you four for 50, not the end of the world, but you're definitely not like excited about that production. Uh, Dallas, fourth in pass defense TVA, third in our surpass attempt allowance. So again, not a good spot for Thielen. Uh, but if the game happens to shoot out, if he happens to score, not a terrible play. Final four o'clock game is going to be Bengals at Steelers. Low 41 point total. Bengals four point road favorites. For the Bengals, Chase will miss another week. And so you're definitely starting T. Higgins. And then Boyd is a perfectly fine play as well. He hasn't gone off without Chase, but they got steamrolled in their first game without him. And then they blew out the Panthers last week. And so the starters like didn't even play the fourth quarter. So under a normal game script, we probably see him approaching, you know, five receptions around 60 yards, uh, a decent chance of scoring a touchdown. Like, I think I like him a little bit more than Adam Thielen. Like, the spot is easier playing Pittsburgh. And I mean, Pittsburgh's still good, but it's still easier than playing uh, Dallas. And then I think the reception numbers look a little bit better. The yardage numbers look a little bit better. And the touchdown chances are a little bit more elevated for him as well. So I think this week, uh, again, without Chase, grading out as a wide receiver two. More of a low end two, but still a wide receiver two. Then for the Steelers, Deontay and Pickens didn't have the game that we were hoping they'd have last week. But they still dominated the wide receiver targets. Uh, it's very clear that... They're going to have, you know, really bankable floors and they will have access to ceiling. They're not always going to hit their ceiling. No one always hits their ceiling. But unless the offense completely falls apart, they're going to get consistent looks. They're going to be featured near the goal line. Like this offense is going to completely operate, at least the passing offense, around Deontay, Pickens, and Pat. Like those three are going to get virtually all of the targets. And so I think this week just play all three. Sunday night game is going to be Chiefs at Chargers, 51-point total, Chiefs 6-point road favorites. For the Chiefs, I have to imagine Juju's going to be out with a concussion this week. I'd be pretty surprised if he played. Then Hardman had the illness last week. They're saying it's an illness to his abdomen. I honestly don't know what that means. We might hear more about what exactly that is. But he was a DNP on Wednesday as well, looking like he might not play again this week. MVS mispractice on Wednesday with an illness as well. We have no idea what exactly that one is. But basically, we don't know what this wide receiver room is going to look like on Sunday. We could see, like, theoretically, Juju could play. But I, again, I don't really think that happens. But, like, we could see, you know, Tony, MVS, and Hardman. Or we could see, like, Tony, you know, Watson, and, like, Sky Moore. Like, we really don't know what it's going to look like. So, basically... See the practice reports. I mean, I don't know what happens. Again, I record these at noon the day before, and so I don't know what's going to happen later in the day. See what happened on Thursday. See what the practice reports are on Friday. If we get DNPs from people on Thursday and Friday, they're not playing, right? Anyone who's DNPing uh, early in the week and then on Friday is not going to be playing this week. So that'll give us an indication on MVS and Hartman. I would say regardless, like if they're practicing this week and Tony is the only starting wide receiver on the field in practice, you better believe he's getting some schemed looks. And if Kadarius Tony gets schemed looks in the Chiefs offense, you're playing him. So I think you're playing Kadarius Tony this week no matter what. And let's be honest, Mahomes is going to throw for like, at worst, 250, but probably closer to 275, 300 passing yards, no matter 
who is his wide receivers? Like, I don't care who's out there. That's what he's doing. And so obviously like Kelsey becomes a slam dunk. If like, like he's obviously a slam dunk, but like he just, he's going to drop a nuke. If we have like Harmon out, MVS out, and like we have all these like, you know, tertiary options, wide receiver. But I think no matter what, play Tony. And we might be able to like desperation, use Sky more, use like Justin Watson if we really need to, um, if those guys are out. But it's really just going to depend on what ends up happening. I will adjust the rankings according to what the news is. I know it's difficult because it is a Sunday night game, so you're not going to necessarily know. But again, practice reports on Thursday for me, like later today, and then on Friday are really going to give us a, a good indication of who's going to be out there. So see what that is, and I'll adjust the rankings accordingly. But again, I think you're just playing Tony definitely this week. Then for the Chargers, uh, another wait-and-see situation. We've got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen practicing on Wednesday. Who knows what will happen come Friday. I hope they do return because this could be an amazing game to watch if we can get the Chargers up to full health because we know Kansas City is going to remain competitive no matter who they have out there. But like, you know, it's been tough to watch the Chargers offense at times because it's like they're just missing so many players they thought were going to be staples of their offense and it's going to be tough for them if those two are out. So we'll see what happens. That's a more difficult situation because we might not know. We probably won't know actually on Friday, on Saturday. And so we're really going to be relying on expected reports that come out like Sunday morning and stuff like that. Uh, but we'll just have to like pay attention to the news and just from there. Monday night game is going to be 49ers at Cardinals, uh, 43 and a half point total, 49ers, eight point road favorites right now. For the 49ers, this is a really tough matchup. The Cardinals have been really good at limiting wide receiver production in particular and definitely wide receiver ones. But I think you still have to play Debo this week. Like you better have a really good wide receiver core if you know you've got like three better wide receivers than Debo Samuel this week. Like that would be very, very impressive. I know the production hasn't really been there, but I just can't see myself benching him. Like he was hyper efficient last season. We knew that wasn't going to continue, but he's been hyper like inefficient this season. It's been weird. Like he's gone to like the opposite trend, a full two yards per target below his worst season of his career this year. Like I have to think he turns it around at some point. I think you're playing him. And then honestly, again, this week, I think you're playing Ayuk as well. He's got between 81 and 84 receiving yards in four consecutive games. Like even though it's a tough matchup, these two are so involved in the offense that, I mean, if they're shutting both of these two down, like it must mean that Kittle, like Kittle is probably having an incredible game this week, but it means Kittle's going off and the running backs are going off because like, you know, what are they doing if they're not throwing to Ayuk and Debo? So I think you're playing them. Don't expect a ton. Don't expect them both to go off. It's probably only going to be one of them, but I think this week you kind of have to play both as wide receiver twos. Then for the Cardinals, Another wait and see. I mean, who's their quarterback going to be? Is it going to be Kyler? Is it going to be McCoy? Is it going to be neither one of them? Like, both are banged up right now. Uh, and then does Marquise Brown play? Like, he's eligible to return this week. He could play. We'll see. My guess is they hold him out one more week, you know, and get him back after that. But who really knows? Um, there's just so many different scenarios here that it's like, we all know that we're playing DeAndre Hopkins. Beyond that, like, you're basically like, probably not playing Marquise Brown his first game back and you also won't probably know that until Monday so it's super risky so it comes down to Rondell Moore and there are so many different scenarios here with like who's the starting quarterback if Marquise Brown is playing that like 
we'll just need to adjust the rankings when we get the news and go from there. Um, I would say like one scenario, if Brown is out and Kyler starts, Rondell Moore is a solid play. Um, beyond that, it depends who the quarterback is. It depends if Marquise Brown's playing. I'll adjust the rankings and let you guys know. So that's my take on every wide receiver this week. As I've said, I'll adjust the rankings based off of the news we get later in the week because there's a lot of injury news we need to sort through this week. And so keep an eye on how the rankings change as we approach Sunday. I'll be back tomorrow to one of my favorite plays this week. That, my friends, is in this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button? How about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.